and Jesus says this, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go therefore and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Amen. Everybody say amen. amen. See, many Christians, we live for the same thing as non-Christians do. We live for retirement. We live, we want to make enough money to, right, to feel safe. And we want to, we want happiness. We want the same thing that sometimes non-Christians, but that's not the main purpose. What's your main purpose? To advance the kingdom. That's your main, those, those are the things, little side effects. Jesus knows your needs. Remember, he, we know what he does to the flowers of the field. Your main purpose, right, is to advance the kingdom, to add to the family. So we have a father that wants a, a big family. Our father wants his family back. The devil wants you caught up in the little stories of what's going on in Athens. The little stories, right? The little stories. Picture front page. When you open up, you open up the front page of the paper, the very front of the page, picture it's a spiritual paper. And Jesus is on the front page of the paper. He's the main purpose. He's, what, he's the big story, right? Sometimes as believers, we're back on page nine reading all the little things. And we spend just two minutes looking at the front page and an hour reading all the little things on the back page. And I think it's time awakening in us that we keep our eyes on the main thing. The front page, the big news is Jesus Christ, right? We don't get distracted. We have to determine to make a stand. Listen, the devil loves distractions. He'll distract you right out of your purpose. Jesus wants us focused on the front page. The front page is him. We glance at this stuff, but we stay focused on him. I look just long enough to pray over it, to take authority over it, but I stay focused on the Father because the power comes from the Father, not from my bank account. Amen? But when you see God first, remember, God says, seek first the kingdom. He's going to let you have all those little things that sometimes can wear us out and make us worried. Right? He knows what we need. Right? But here's the reality. The reason the gospel is so important because it changes people's eternal destination. Everybody say eternal. Eternal desti destination. Did you know that every time a person, they get saved, they are transferred from the kingdom of hell to the kingdom of heaven. And their master goes from devil to Jesus. That's the reality what takes when someone gets saved. That's just the truth. God says when you got saved, you became a new creation, but with a very specific purpose. Right? So our main purpose is to share the gospel, and Jesus has sent his helper into us. Aren't you glad that Jesus isn't saying, Terry, go do this. I, I know right now the Holy Spirit's helping me talk to you. I'm not up here. I get a little nervous sometimes. Uh, sometimes pastors, we can fake it, but sometimes we get a little nervous because I don't want to mess up, not in front of you. I don't want to mess up what God has to say to you. I take this very serious. But I have a helper, and he's helping me right now. He's calming me right now. And my ear is open I have my notes. The, the Holy Spirit helped me prepare this message, but he also has free reign to take me off this message. If there's something specific I need to turn to and talk to Bruce about, I'm open to listening and stopping. Sometimes we just got to be willing to be interrupted by the Holy Spirit to be what God's called us, right? Because sometimes we can get rigid in what we got. We got, I'm type A. I got things to do. My wife would say, I get on a mission. When I'm open, when I wake up, I'm on a mission. God's been training me. Is your mission more important about than being interrupted? Because you've got to be willing to be interrupted. That's usually where the good stuff is, by the way, right? Right. Well, the devil doesn't want us living for the bigger story, and the bigger story is Jesus Christ. Remember, Jesus wants people added to his family. But when you see, have you noticed, though, when you see God first, all the little things come into line? 
(laughs) That's the byproduct of doing what Jesus tells us to do. Seek him first, and all those things you're worried about, they'll get back in alignment with what God says. That's just this, but sometimes we can make it hard because our efforts get in the way. Amen? Right? So our main purpose is share the gospel. Here's Jesus. He's talking to the apostle Paul, Acts 26, verse 17 through 18. Jesus says this, and I will rescue you from both your own people and the Gentiles. Yes, I am sending you to the Gentiles to open their eyes so they may turn from darkness to light and from the power of Satan to God. Then they will receive forgiveness for their sins and be given a place among God's people who are set apart by me in faith. And Jesus says right now, I'm sending you, and I'm sending you, and I'm sending you. And people need to know about me, but he's sending, he's sending you. He's not sending Pastor Terry by myself or Pastor Eric or, Pastor, or any other pastor. He's sending you guys to do the work of the church because you're the church. Amen? Sometimes we, we forget our main purpose. And I believe God, believe God is waking in us up tonight to remind us of what our main purpose is. People need to hear about Jesus. Because there's people in our towns that are precious to him. And they're looking for answers in all the wrong places. I would sing, but my voice stinks, so I won't go there. Sometimes my mic's on it because I love to worship. In fact, I keep trying to sneak in a song, but they, the, the worship team keeps abandoning me. Sometimes my mic, one time my mic was on, and um, during uh, I didn't know it was on. And the, the tech team thought there was something wrong with our sound system. And they were back there trying to fix it. And it was really me, so I sound good, but they don't think so. But, but it's wrong, though, listen, it's, isn't it wrong, though, to receive Jesus Christ and then not give him away? Because that's what we do sometimes. We, we're, we, we're all guilty of getting caught up and being busy. Life can be a little tough sometimes, but Jesus has to be the main story, the big story, right? And we're on a mission to lead people to Jesus and also see him set free. You understand that? Just because you get saved don't mean you're free. I was, uh, I was, I'm going to shift gears here. Holy Spirit's going to speak to someone. Listen, I didn't understand why I struggled with rejection. My parents divorced when I was five. And, uh, and I still remember my dad, he would pick us up once a month and he was driving away. And I would chase down the dirt road to catch him. And he would drive away. And I remember one time I saw his eyes in the rear view mirror. And uh, in that moment, the devil whispered, you're not good enough. Or your dad would stay. You see, the devil doesn't fight fair. He speaks. That's why identity is so important. Parents to talk to your kids of who they are. Right? Because in that moment, I believed a lie. So fast forward. Growing up, I've always been pretty good at sports. But I was going to destroy you in sports. Basketball, football, ping pong, it didn't matter. I was going to wear you out. And I was going to wear you out because I was going to prove a point that my dad messed up. That I was worth it. And I didn't want to be the kid that, that would do that. <laughs> I didn't want to be the kid that would, that would throw a big fit because I did that. I'd throw a big fit if we didn't win. I knew it wasn't healthy. I just didn't know what happened. I said, Lord, why? Now, here, I'm a, grown, I'm a grown adult of this. I'm playing college football. God, why do I get so upset? 
It's okay to get upset when you don't win. I'm, that's a little, we're human, right? But I would take it to a new, God, why am I so upset? And God is so gracious. He brought me back and he goes, this is where you believe the lie. And I saw this vision of me chasing, chasing my dad down the dirt road and I saw his eyes. In that moment, right, in that moment, God showed me the lie that I believed. So I repented for coming to agreement with the lie. Right? I said, God, I, I, I asked forgiveness for coming in agreement with that lie, and I canceled every assignment of that devil that tried to mess with me, right? Because I know I was good enough because I'm the righteousness of Christ. I knew all this. And then I picked the phone up and I called Dad, Dad, I, I'm going to say sorry to you because I've, I believed a lie that um, you didn't want me. And I remember my dad said, he goes, son, he goes, what you didn't see, because, and I didn't know this, my parents were really good about not talking about the divorce in front of me. They both loved me the best they could, but it was my mom, and I love my mom. She's a mighty woman of God. They were young. They messed up, right? Sometimes that happens, but my mom was the one that left my dad. I didn't know any of this. My, my dad said, son, I was the one crying when I was driving, because I didn't want to drop you off at home. I didn't want to leave the home. Well, that's not what I heard from the enemy. The enemy said, you're not good enough. That's why your dad's driving. Remember? So listen. If you've, if you struggled with rejection at all, and you say, I don't know if I struggled, well, whether you went through a divorce, usually the enemy will come into something traumatic and it'll plant us a lie. If, and how do you know if you've, if you've not dealt with it? Because you overreact. <laughs> That's how you know if you're stuck in a stronghold. You know, why when I'm pitching in, in school, and if the coach pulled me from the pitcher's mound, true story, I'd go sit, and he put me in the center field, which is a good spot. I went out and I sat down. I, didn't, I wasn't going to play. If I wasn't pitching, I'm not playing. Everybody can wait on me. Yeah, that's called unhealthy, okay? <laughs> Thankfully, my mom, who, who, was, uh, who also, she pitched, she was in Ar- grew up in Arkansas, pitched on the boys' baseball team, and she's a strong woman, and she walked around, and she goes, you, I heard it from the back, if you don't stand up, I'm going to beat your rear. So anyways, I stood up. <laughs> but how do you know if you have a stronghold? Because you overreact, and it's a pattern. Amen. All right, moving back to my notes. Is that okay? In Mark chapter 14, Jesus travels to Bethany, and Bethany means house of misery. He's at Simon the leper's home. Remember, nobody wanted to be around a leper, right, except for Jesus. Jesus always has a plan, so he's okay about being around a leper. Look at Mark. uh, We're going to be in Mark 14, verses 3 through 11. Meanwhile, Jesus is in Bethany at the home of Simon. A man who had previously had leprosy, while he was eating, a woman came in with a beautiful alabaster jar of expensive perfume and made from essence of nard. She broke open the jar and poured the perfume over his head. Some of those at the table were indignant. Why waste such expensive perfume, they asked. It could have been sold for a year's wages and the money given to the poor. So they scolded her harshly. But Jesus replied, leave her alone. Why criticize her for doing such a good thing to me? You will always have the poor among you, and, and you can keep them whenever you want to, but you will not always have me. She has done what she could and has anointed my body for burial ahead of time. I tell you the truth, whoever, wherever the good news is preached throughout the world, this woman's deed will be remembered and discussed. That's why we're, we're remembering it right now, and we're discussing it according to Scripture. So picture this. Jesus, Jesus is sitting in the middle of a leper's house in a town, ca- town called Misery, right? And here comes Mary. She comes anoint him with this perfume the value of it average salary is fifty thousand dollars okay so she's anointing him with fifty thousand dollars worth of with the perfume 
And in that culture, it was normal. When you had a guest that come in your home, you'd get a drop of oil. They'd anoint you to bless them. But when someone died, they'd bust a bottle of oil and pour it over the body. Mary was doing something that disciples weren't even getting. Jesus had been telling them, I'm here for a mission. My time's coming to a close. But Mary gets it, but you don't. She's preparing my body because I have to finish my mission. Right? Here's a couple questions. Why was Jesus in such a bad place talking to a leper? Because Simon, Simon, the leper, was God's dream. You see, the leper was God's dream. The leper had issues. You're God's dream. Maybe you still have some issues. It doesn't change the fact that you are God's dream. Every person's God's dream. The lost out there, they're God's dream. His dreams to have a big family. He wants all his kids back. Have you ever noticed sometimes hurting people are more open to receiving Jesus than people that have it all figured out? So the next time you're dealing with somebody with a lot of issues, those are the ones that are ripe and ready to, to receive the good news of Jesus. See, Jesus is always looking to add to his family. Aren't you glad that Jesus doesn't have favorites? He doesn't have favorites. He doesn't care how popular you are, how much money you are, have. They don't, you don't get extra bonus points for having those things, right? Romans 2.11 says, for God does not show favoritism. That's really clean and simple. You see, God sees us all from a heavenly perspective, that he created us and he loves us. So what's so important about the alabaster jar perfume that Mary poured over Jesus? Well, because she she didn't just give her perfume to Jesus, she gave her dream to Jesus. See, women are different than men. Women think about stuff, right? My wife, she's a thinker. When we got married, I was about this deep, just a little above a caveman. I've grown since. My thinker is enlarged. I think past first base, right? Now, Mary was a thinker. She put a lot of thought into what she she knew what she was doing. Mary knew she was giving up her dream. Remember, Mary was was a widow. She lived with her brother. That's not a good situation. Her dream was to get her own place, and that that bottle, that, that, that perfume was her way out. She gave up her dream so Jesus could complete his dream to buy us back on the cross. God's looking for people that value his dream over their dream. If an awakening is going to take place in our communities across this country, then God's dream has to become more important than our dreams. Now here's another account of the story. This is John 12, verses 3 through 6. It says, then Mary took a 12-ounce jar of expensive perfume made from essence of nard, and she anointed Jesus' feet with it, wiping his feet with her hair. The house was filled with the fragrance, but Judas Iscariot, the disciple who would soon betray him, said the perfume was worth a year's wages. It should have been sold and the money given to the poor, not that he cared for the poor. He was a thief, and since he was in charge of of the disciples' money, he often stole some for himself. Why did that, this act of sacrifice bother Judas so much, right? He, because Judas's dream was to have money. And when he realized that Jesus, Jesus wasn't going to help him get to his dream, he sold Jesus out so he could keep his dream. The American dream is not God's dream. Status, power, money mean nothing to Jesus. He has all that. That's not his dream. His dream's for a family. His dream's for you. And your relatives and people in your community, that's his dream. So how do we make sure that we're living for God's dream? And we're gonna, this is point number three if you're taking notes. 
we got to trade our dreams. It's time to trade in our dreams. You see, when I was growing up, I dreamed of playing professional football. And I, used to, I used to tell Tanya, we got married when we were very young, and uh, I used to tell her, babe, when I become a professional football player, I'm going to buy you the nicest car. You'd think I'd choose a house, but <laughs> I was first base. I didn't think, remember, caveman, right? So I said, I'm going to buy you the nicest car I can buy, right? She said, okay. She believed me, and I believed me because I was going to go pro, right? So my senior year in college, I'm playing football, and, and I, uh, the, the season ended, and I got four different invites from professional Dallas Cowboys as one of those teams, by the way, and uh, some of you Cowboy fans. But, see, I, I wasn't a drafted. It was just for me to try out to the camp. There was a chance, a chance I make the team. That means no money until I make the team. And we were poor. I mean by that, we didn't have nothing, right? At some point, you got to stop, stop borrowing money from mom and dad. <laughs> So I, had, I got hired on right when I, fin- right when I, right when I graduated college. I got those four letters to try out for these teams, but I also got hired on as a school teacher. That was my, my background in education. And I remember going to the Lord, Lord, do I chase this dream? Because I, this is something I've always talked about, and I thought it was going to be it. And uh, he says, no, son, it's, it's time to lay that dream down. So I laid that dream down, and you think, oh, man, that was, no, man, the joy of the Lord came over me. See, joy follows obedience. Joy of the Lord will follow obedience. I wonder if some of you here, you're chasing a dream that's no longer God's dream. Maybe that dream expired a long time ago, but you think it's what you're supposed to do. I knew in my heart I was going to be a professional football player, but that dream ended. And thankfully, God, God showed me to go a different route, or I wouldn't be a pastor. I'm just telling you, I know. God has a way of changing things. I also watched my wife lay down her dream. She's an RN. She went to college, became a registered nurse, and she'd come home and she would, she would share some uh, small details how much she loved to be a nurse and all the way she was helping patients and stuff. But one day she says, hey, I think the Lord is calling me into ministry. Would you pray about it? And I'm thinking, you just got a promotion, and I know they make a lot more than what I can pay you. Remember, <laughs> my first base thinking. So I began to pray about it. It was about six months later. I went to Tanya, I said, babe, it's time. And, um, and she laid down her dream to be a nurse, and she went full-time. She went from helping patients physically to helping people spiritually. Here's what I realized with dreams. You see, when they're God's dreams, he blesses them. When they're not his dreams, he just will not. Blessings follow obedience. Here's my point about the alabaster jar. There was nothing wrong with Mary having a dream unless she wouldn't give it to Jesus. Mary didn't have that idea on her own. The Holy Spirit prompted her to break that that jar, right? She took the most important thing she had and she gave it to Jesus. Jesus said, if you'll lose your life for for my sake, you'll find it. In other words, if you'll lose your dream for his sake, he'll give you back a way better dream. At what point does a dream become a nightmare? When you won't give it to Jesus. There's not one dream that I've laid down. There's been other dreams I've laid down. But I did not get a way better dream in return. What I'm saying is, number one, God has a dream for a big family. Number two is, dreams are important as long as they are God's dream. And number three, got to connect the evil in the world to the right person. Because God's dreams are big family. Sometimes we pin evil on people. Jesus says we fight principalities. Demonic 
We don't fight people. Every day we hear about the nonsense happening in our, in our world. It's not people, it's the devil. The people just come in agreement with what they're hearing. They think it's their thought. It's not their thought. People do it, yes, and they'll be responsible for their actions. We're all held accountable. They decide whether they're going to partner with evil or not. In my lifetime, I was a classroom teacher 30 miles away. You guys remember, did you guys get much coverage on the Oklahoma City of Murrow building bombing? Remember that? A long time ago. I was 30 miles away teaching fourth graders, and the build, one of the windows in our school system blew out. That's how strong that blast was. 30 miles away, it blew out a window. 168 people lost their lives, including 19 kids. Only the devil conspires somebody to kill innocent people for hardly no reason. Timothy's reason, if you read the, the, the story on it, is because he had a grudge against the government. You see, when you hold on to a grudge, the devil can take that grudge and flip it into something satanic. I'm sure Timothy didn't wake up when he was 10 years old. How can I destroy people's lives? But he got bitter in his heart, and he wouldn't let God heal that bitterness, and it changed. Don't give the devil a foothold in your heart with bitterness or unforgiveness, because that's what takes place. You'll find yourself doing and saying things and hurting people that you were never intended in doing because you wouldn't do what God's told you to do, and that's forgive. Why am I saying this? Because Christians have to awaken to the reality that Satan is real, and we have to use our authority that I talked about last night, right, to bind him up and set captives free. Isn't that good news? That should bring a smile. God, you've given me authority to bind up the enemy, to lock him in, and to unlock other doors while people have been stuck in bondage and, and depression, right? I have spiritual authority to do that. Aren't you glad that God's called you to do something? And he's giving you the Holy Spirit to help you. You're not on your own. That's just good news. There was a German businessman in World War II that did something amazing. His company made ammunition, and he made a lot of money from it. In his factory, he employed both Germans and Jewish people. You guys know that the Jewish people are God's people. Sometimes I hear people that don't like Jews, and I'm thinking, then you don't like Christianity. But these German, the Germans begin to take the, the, the Jewish people to the concentration camps and begin to murder them. But Mr. Schindler, you know the story, was good to the Jewish employees. And he began to notice the evil of the Nazis. He himself, if you know the story, was a Nazi. But he began to recognize. Even non-Christians start to recognize evil at times, right? And it bothered him. He began to buy the Jews out of the concentration camp to say that he needed them for the factory, right? And the Germans started to see that he was setting many of them free, right? So they began to arrest him and his wife, Emily, multiple times. But Emily and his wife, uh, Emily and uh, Mr. Schindler saved over 1,100 Jews with his own money. That's a, not three people, 1,100. He died in 1974. He was buried in Jerusalem, and the inscription on the, his grave says, the unforgettable rescuer of persecuted Jews. Did you know that evil Hitler and his demonic army killed 6 million people? That's, a, that's demonic. Right now, Oklahoma has almost 4 million people, and Kansas has a little more than 2 million. That means Hitler would have wiped out all of Oklahoma and just about all of Kansas. It's a lot of people. Of course, God sent the United States of America and our military over there to handle the business. Aren't you glad that we have a military? That but God used this one man to save many people. The movie Schindler's came from this true story. I want to show you a clip. This is Liam Neeson. He plays Oscar Schindler in the movie. 
he and his wife Emily, they're, they're leaving, what's happening, they're leaving the factory right now. The war is now over and every person you see he purchased with his own money. They give him a ring made of gold and he knows they have nothing. And he knows where this gold come from. It came from their teeth. They pulled their own gold out of their own teeth. And for the first time he feels the weight of, I could have saved more. He lived in a time where really bad things were happening to God's people. And one day he woke up to the evil surrounding him and said, I, I can do something about this. The scene at the end is the first time he saw all the people gathered together. And he began to, he began to connect what his money did and what he, what, he, what he could have done more. I could have saved 10 more, he said, when he looked at the car. The point is all of us can do more. And we have something we can do right now. Each one of us here has something we can do to make a difference, to help save someone else. How many lives will you change and how many people will be in heaven because of you? Listen, if you were Oscar Schindler and the scene was you, how many people would be lined up to thank you? The last thing is what do you have to keep people from hell? You see Oscar Schindler, right? He realized he had a creative idea to use his company right to reach people maybe you don't have a company or you don't have the money maybe you have a talent a gift maybe you have a voice to speak life into somebody that needs to hear how much jesus loves them i'm asking you to, to make sharing the gospel the big news of your life and that you keep it there and that sharing jesus was is the number one thing when you wake up every morning would you bow your heads as, as i close you see, God has a dream. You're his dream. God's not a materialist. He needs nothing. What he is is a father. And the father wants his family back. Family is how the Bible begins and family is how the Bible ends. Think about this question. How can you do more to add to his family? I just want you to, we're going to, I'm just going to let the, 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 the worship team just going to strum right now. You just, I just want you to take a second, ask the Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, how can I do more? Just let the Holy Spirit speak to you. He may show you a picture. He may give you an idea. I believe he's going to be reminding many of you right now what that may look like. Just take a second. Father, we just ask that you would give us the strength supernatural strength father the power father that can come from you that we would love people like you love them and we would see people how you see them father lord guide us not to be offended by people got to see see past that and to see them how you love them father lord and and that we would love them with your love give us supernatural love to love them may they may they may they see father lord that (laughs) there's something different about us and that we carry Jesus, Father, and we want them to have that, that same relationship as we have. I pray that you would infuse that in everybody here right now that's listening to this message, the supernatural ability to share the gospel with other people. In your name we pray, amen. You know, I was writing this message, and God began to impress on me just one more thing before we close. And he says, at the end, I want you to leave some time to do some ministry, specifically in the area of healing. And I know this church believes in healing. Malachi 3, 6 says, I am the Lord, I do not change. 
Everything you've read in the Bible, God still does now. He's not gotten sleepy. He's not forgotten who he is. He still does miracles. In fact, I want this church, I, I, I want this church along with my church, when we pray for somebody to be healed, that shocks us if they don't get healed. That we're shocked that they didn't get healed. I think right now we're shocked when somebody gets healed, like that's tricky or something. When really that's normal Christian life. Jeremiah 30 says, but I will restore you to health and heal your wounds, declares the Lord. That's what the Lord says. Now there's so many scriptures on healing, but I really felt like God reminded me to share three specific scriptures, how he's personally healed me, okay? So I'm gonna go through these really fast. Um, about a, year, a, a while ago, I was, I was working out and I noticed something was wrong with my arm. See, my arm started to go numb. You ever had like a dead leg, your football's asleep? It was kind of like that, but my whole arm went numb. And it stayed that way for a couple days, day four, day five, and it was going, it was, it was really, no matter what I did, I could barely feel my arm, but it was painful. And I didn't want to tell my wife, remember, she's a nurse. And I knew if, if Nurse Tanya knew that I'd be at the doctor's office. Not that I'm afraid of doctors, doctors serve a purpose. But Jesus is my healer first, right? Um, I told Tanya after a while, I said, hey, something's wrong with my arm. And she immediately, that day, I think we're at the doctor's getting x-rays and stuff on it, but um, MRI. Anyways, the doctor began to explain, here's what's happened. He goes, you have a degenerative disc in your neck that's causing that nerve, that's, that's making that whole arm go numb. And I didn't know what the word degenerative, I had to practice it like 50 times to say it right tonight. I said, babe, I said, what does that mean? And she goes, that means it's only going to get worse. And I couldn't accept that. I couldn't accept that. So I had my elders, the Bible says, have the elders lay hands. So the elders at my church laid hands on me to pray for it to be healed. And I expected to be healed, but I didn't get healed. <laughs> I was shocked because I've been healed before. So every day I'm praying, my arm's still numb. I'm taking medicine now because it's getting painful right my, my neck that nerves pinched and I don't want surgery yet so I'm praying Lord and we end up going to on a mission trip we're in the Philippines at this little bitty church in the middle of a banana field and they kept coming out this church is so out there they come up and take pictures of me I said well, why are they taking pictures of my wife and I and they because they've never seen a white person that's how much in the middle of nowhere this was but one that night I that morning I woke up and I went to take my pill because I uh, remember that, that helps helped with the pain um, I was out of medicine I didn't count my pills right. I'm like, oh man, I'm over here in another country. This isn't gonna be good. So that night at worship, my arm was really starting to get hot. It, was get, it would get hot, it would start to burn. And I, the Holy Spirit was moving in this church and I wasn't thinking about no healing. I just wanted to worship the Lord. So I put both arms up. I didn't care if it was pinching my neck. We're driving away from that night and I was just thanking the Lord for his presence until I noticed something that my arm no longer hurt. And it's been a couple years and I haven't, had, I haven't had any other, degenerative means nothing to me. It just means I need to pray. Sometimes you don't get healed the first time. I didn't understand here. I, I think I've connected the dots. You know, sometimes you can connect the dots why, why God does something. And sometimes you don't connect it. Why do you have to connect the dots all the time? How about we just have faith and let God be God? But here's what I know. Something shifted in me when it came to worship because it's not just about singing songs, it's about worshiping the king. And when the king shows up during worship, because that's what scripture says, miracles take place. 
That's why worship's so big to me at our church, and I know your church too. Because when God shows up, you can get healed, and you're not even going out. Just being by Jesus, like Pastor shared with about the, the, the lady touched, she just needed to be near Jesus. The other one was a tremor. You see, this was a generational thing passed down from my mom had a tremor. My mom's hand used to shake so bad that she would sit on her hand because she was embarrassed. It's called flapping. If you don't know what the term is, it's a medical term, it's called flapping. Mom would sit on her hand. So I was uh, 29 years old, and I remember that was the first time I was holding a mic at a, uh, I was doing a big uh, conference at school, and my hand was shaking really bad. And I'm like, what is that? And the kids are all, you nervous, Mr. Payne? I'm like, no. And I wasn't nervous. My hand was shaking. And I'm like, oh, no. I got a tremor. And for 10 years, my hand shook a bunch. And I would, uh, late at night, I would hold the remote control, and I had it prayed over, and I was praying over it. I wasn't a pastor yet, right? It didn't matter anyways. I'm just telling this. Um, I'm, I'm trying to watch TV. The kids are sleeping. I used to hold the TV trying to turn the channel, and I would do this, and I would try to, right? I'd stare at it. I'd get a drink of water, and my hand would shake, and my kids, because they're on me, would, hey, Dad, can I have a drink? And they'd spill water on themselves, making fun of me, but I, I couldn't really... I couldn't really do anything about it. I, I'd laugh, but it did bother me until one I was at Gateway Church. My wife and I went to a conference at Gateway Church on that healing night. Now I'm a pastor. So fast forward, I've had this tremor for 10 years, and um, I'm a pastor. And they have a healing night, and I go, let's go look at the healing night. So let's go have my hand prayed over. So I went to, the, I went to their healing night, which was very simple. The, the pastor taught on Scripture, shared about 30 minutes of Scripture and healing. And then he goes, all right, Terry what's wrong with you? And I said, well, I've had this tremor. And he goes, stick your hand out. So I stuck my hand out and I put it out like this. And he just puts his hand on top of my hand and he goes, in the name of Jesus, tremor be gone. And he removed his hand and my hand was perfectly still. I remember I looked at Tanya. I looked at Tanya and I said, hand me that water bottle. Because if I held something, it got heavy, it would really make it shake, right? So I grabbed that water bottle to test God. I know that's not scripture. Just wanted to see perfectly still haven't had any issue now listen you have to steward your healing what do i mean by that i'm out there weed eating and a week later have you ever weed eating you know when you're done weed eating your hands shake a little bit here's what happened i'm weed eating and i, I put it up and i notice my hands shaking the enemy says your tremor's back and i said absolutely not lord thank you for healing me i begin to thank the lord for healing me i'm not coming back into that agreement with that lie i wonder how many sometimes god heals us and something comes back because we come back in agreement with it and it has no spiritual authority over us unless we come in agreement with it. And the last little one is this. Uh, uh, about three years ago, I was uh, at our church and I was putting lights on our church bus. We, have a, we had a bus and I was putting lights for a parade. And I used a 10-foot ladder to climb on top of the bus. It was 11 feet high. I wasn't sure how tall, but I'm up there. And I'm up there putting lights on. And Tanya, is just me and Tanya. And Tanya's down below waiting for me to get done. And next thing I know, she sees me jumping off the bus. Well, I had this idea. I'm in a hurry. It's a bad game plan when you're 47 years old. I jumped off the 11-foot bus, and I landed on a rock. And um, I didn't know what took place. I remember I dr it dropped me to the ground like that, and I was rolling around on the ground. And uh, the pain, I, I tried to scream, but nothing came out of my mouth, right? And my, my wife saw, quit faking. Because I was always, I'm always, sometimes I fake. <laughs> you ever done pranks? Cry wolf, I cry wolf a lot, so... She said, quit faking. Anyways, she realized because she's a nurse that when I looked at her, I said, when did you know when I saw your face? I took my shoe off and my foot looked like this. And I went to the emergency room. The pain was, I've been injured in football. Nothing compared to this pain. 
I started to shake. And I, they had to, so I ended up having to go to see a foot specialist. And uh, they did this surgery, rebuilt my foot. And uh, anyways, the doctor comes out and uh, we say, hey, doc, how was it when you opened it? You know, I just want to know. And he goes, it was like putting Humpty Dumpty back together. That's how bad I messed my foot up. So a month goes by, two months, and my foot's really hurting, and it's supposed to be healing. Six months goes by. I'm walking now, but I could barely walk. It felt like there was rocks in my shoe, right? I was in so much pain, and the enemy was just bombarding me. If you've ever, raise your hand if you've ever dealt with chronic pain. It begins to wear on you emotionally, right, emotionally. And you try to block it out, and I was, I was having people pray. Everybody was praying for me. And people say, Pastor, are you fine? I say, hey, I'm doing good, doing good. But I wasn't doing good. I was hurting. So we, I take my, my staff. We go to a, a, a worship conference in Dallas. And we're at this, this, and we're at this uh, worship conference, and my foot's just throbbing because we had to stand in line. And when I stood, my foot would start to swell. And I had to wear a bigger shoe on this foot and a smaller one on this one to get my, when it start to swell, right, so I could keep my shoe on. It was weird. But anyways, um, so at this conference, my foot's really hurting, and, and this pastor gets up as a worship conference. You know, they had a lot of big-time speakers there, or worship singers. But it was during, a, like, a, an intermission. The pastor went up, and he said, hey, hold on a second. Before we go any further, God's just telling me something. There's somebody here that you've fallen off something high, and it's not right, and I'm hearing Humpty Dumpty. Who is it? And there's 6,000 people, 6,000 people at this place. He didn't know me. That's called the word of knowledge. God gave him something about me that he didn't know and can never figure out on his own. And so this picture, I think I have a picture. I sent it to the team. This is, here's a picture. So I stand, and when I stand, see if we got a picture here. It's not coming through. Negatory. Negatory. Okay. Anyways, what the picture is this. It got put on their website, and I didn't give permission. They should pay me but my son dad you know they're on there there's a big church they got you on their website and i said take it send it to me so it's a picture of me standing and six thousand people are raising their hands towards me to pray for me right and the holy spirit i said i was so i was just broke and my whole team circled around me they're all crying i'm crying because i thought god forgot me i knew he loved me but this pain had been around so long and i didn't understand why he didn't heal it Maybe you've had pain and it's been around a long time and you just think it's the new you. And it's not the new you. That's a lie. God can heal you, and I believe we're gonna we're gonna take we're gonna get into a song in a second, but Pastor Eric, if it's okay, if we have anybody on your, your ministry leader or team, anybody that's on that that prays, if you are if you're on that team that prays, I know there's a group of you that prays for people to be healed. We're gonna we're gonna get back into worship and, and that team just come up here, and if you are hurting at all in your body. There's anything that's bothering you. Here's what I ask you, why not tonight? So your job as a Christian is to have that expectation. Why not tonight to be healed? And let's say like me, I didn't get healed from my arm, but every day, why not today, Lord? God, you can do it. I don't understand why. I've been healed. The tremor got healed just like that. This arm took two months. I don't understand why God, that's not my job. My job is to bring to the table with, a, with an element of faith that says, why not tonight so if you've been struggling with physically or maybe it's a mental you battle depression or maybe fear or something else that is not right that's remember God God paid a big price 
He could have, listen, God could have gone right to, Jesus could have gone right to the cross and died for our sins. But he let them whip his flesh and beat him for a reason. His body was broken so we could be made whole, right? He, he could have bypassed all of that, but he chose not to for us. So we're going to get back into singing. And uh, if you're on that team that prays for people to be healed, not that they have special powers, but they believe it's a faith. Remember, the kingdom of God shows up with the mustard seed faith. And if you need healed, you're, you just getting out of the seats to come get prayed for can activate what you've been praying for when you get up here. Let's stand. Let's worship God. And if you need prayed for, come on up front.